Hey everybody, welcome to the Reading Radio Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Alora. And we are so glad that you've joined us today for this episode. It's kind of a, a special one. We're adventuring into a book where we might actually get to interview the author. We're trying to set that up right now. By the time you hear this, it may already be recorded, maybe released. We'll see how that works out. Yeah. Apologize, this episode's going to be coming out a few days late. Um, Alora's just been incredibly busy. She's a busy girl and re- traveling all over the place and going to camps and spending time with her grandparents. We're thinking maybe next summer we should probably just take off or make sure we have some episodes recorded up front. Yes. So you told us a little about Girl Scout camp. Any any adventures you want to tell us about here recently? We did a yoga retreat with our troop, which was lots of fun. We played a lot of games because it was raining so hard, so we couldn't really do anything outside. We spent a lot of time inside. Well, that's what you have to do sometimes when you're camping. Mm-hmm. Anything else? No. Spent a week with your with your grandparents. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Right. And this book's pro- partly my fault. Uh, we're, in case you're not aware, this month's book is Oddity by S- Sarah Cannon. This is the first book we've done that didn't have an audio version, and I am such a sucker for reading audio that I fell behind and didn't get it read quite as quickly as I wanted to. So I'll take partial blame for this and won't blame it completely on Alora. Now, you probably don't know this whole story, so I'll tell this story, and then I'll let you talk about how much you like the book or, or mm-hmm. what else we want to talk about. It. This book came to us in a pretty unique way. A friend of ours on Facebook met Sarah in the airport, and I'm not sure how they knew each other, although we thought we knew them, we thought they were actually friends. She took a picture with her, talked about her being an author, and my wife posted and said, oh, you know, your book sounds perfect for our podcast. And she said, hey, that sounds great. Contact me. Well, we, just a, just a small podcast, didn't expect to actually get any attention. But we reached out, and we grabbed the book to check it out, and it's a pretty new book. Sarah's a pretty new author. We'll tell you all about, give you all sorts of information on her when we interview her, but we decided to read the book, Oddity, available from Amazon. You can check out that link at reading-radio.com, and we can give you all that information. All right, Alora, tell us what you think about the book. So the book is about a girl named Ada who lives in a town named Oddity in New Mexico. Getting into the book was a little bit difficult for me, because it was creating so many new concepts. It took you time to understand the concepts before you could really understand the book. And then as soon as you understood the concepts, she brought in more. So would you, would, you, know, you read a book where it doesn't have any tropes that you're used to? Like, you know, you're going to see dragons in fantasy or you're going to see magic. But Oddity is a strange world where nothing is what it should be. It's a, I don't know, a Eureka meets Warehouse 13 plus... I don't know, there's some weird things. Doctor Who aliens. Doctor Who aliens, yeah, all right there in this little town called Oddity. So yeah, there was a few times I had to reread pages because I just didn't follow what was happening, uh, just because it wasn't what I was expecting. Yeah, I had to do the same thing. What about the age range for the book? What do you think uh, What do you think's good for it? I think it depends. There wasn't any content that would be higher up age level, but I think it would depend on how you feel you're able to understand the new concepts. Because she never really goes in and explains the concepts concepts individually. So if you think you can go and pick up on them, I'd say you could read the book, but there's no content-wise. It's just being able to understand the new concepts. I think this would be a great read-aloud book. Yes. I think if you, as a family, read it out loud together, I think that would be much better. Because you're right, there's no content that's questionable. I I would read this aloud to any age, as long as they can pay attention for it and (laughs) that kind of thing. But I think the way it reads might be a little difficult, especially since some of the words aren't normal words, words that you're used to. One thing that that stands out to me was the armaduino. Armaduino. It was a combination between an armadillo and an arduino, which is a small computer type. And so I read that a couple times, and... She jumps in just like you should understand what it is, which I think matches 
seeing it from a certain character's perspective yes. who's coming into oddity for the first time and he's new to everything it's kind of that introduction through the character's eyes kind of yes. story although he's not the main character no but he is one of the main characters yeah so this is the story of ada who said mm-hmm. uh, mason is yes. her cousin raymond her best friend and caden caden the new the na- new neighbor boy yeah who and they're moved and they're from Chicago. Chicago. Yeah. And their adventures through the town of Oddity and all that it has to offer and its craziness. Yes. So if you're if you are in the mood for silly, campy action kid hero adventures, this is this is a great book to get started with. Like I said, a great read aloud book. So that's our spoiler free t- introduction and conversation. <laughs> We're gonna talk now as if you've read the book because you should. You should read along reading along with us once we announce our books, and then we can all discuss them together. Well, we can discuss them, and you can comment on the website as you like. Or mm-hmm. in the Reading Radio private Facebook group, which you can find through our website. Okay. The book. The book. The book. Give us give us give us your story. Um I thought the book was pretty interesting to read along with. But like I said, the concepts were a little confusing. But I really liked how the main hero was more of a female character instead. Mm-hmm. Because in most books I read, at least, it's a main boy character with a female sidekick, for lack of a better word. Sure. So I Harry like, Potter with yeah. Hermione and... Percy uh, Jackson. Sure. With uh, Annabeth. Yeah. So this, I liked how Ada was the main character. What I do think, though, is there should be more female characters. There was her aunt. Mm-hmm. Aunt Betts. Aunt Betts. Aunt Betts was awesome, though. She was a great <laughs> character. I wish there would have been more of Aunt Betts. Yeah. I thought she had a great personality. I liked when she took a bald cap and put it on Ada. So yes. She woke up. She thought she was bald. Those are great. I'm gonna put a bald cap on you and see if you think it's funny. If you see if you find it funny. It's funny to read about. <laughs> if you did it on Zoe, I would laugh so hard. Right. But right. if you did it on me, I would be pretty mad. Yeah. So just get the general background of the story. So uh, a year ago, Ada's sister, twin sister, twin sister Pearl, Pearl won what is the uh, oddity sweepstakes. Supposed mm-hmm. to be a great prize where she gets to be swept away and live in comfort and wonder for the rest of her life and it's the first time a kid had ever won the sweepstakes yes so she's disappeared and ada feels empty without her is that kind of fair yeah yeah and then what starts to happen as we come into the book you realize that there's more going on to to the sweepstakes than it first explains yes and i gotta say i love uh the author's use of real life equivalents to things in Oddity that was just enough. So Nopes, yes. what you're probably not aware of is there's a, there's a big website called Snopes that's used to determine whether or not things are real that you read on the internet. Because early on, people didn't understand that anybody could publish anything on the internet. So they would see stupid stuff on the internet. Like, if you do this thing, then these people will come and kill you. Like, urban legend type stuff. Mm-hmm. And so Snopes was created to go, no, that's not true. You're an idiot. Stop believing these things, basically. <laughs> And so Snopes is their, or Nopes is their equivalent in Oddity to understand if these weird things that are happening are real or conspiracy yep. theories or urban legends or what's going on, which I thought was a great little touch. I like the, um, how the pizza gets delivered. Yeah, tell us about that. So you order the pizza and it comes up with a box with a timer inside. You have 30 minutes to find your pizza before it explodes. Right, so it take off the 30 minutes or it's free that Domino's used to offer. Oh. They would get it to you. Oh, sure. oh, you don't even remember that. No. That stopped doing that a while ago. So Domino's Pizza's big thing was from the time you ordered, they would get it to your door within 30 minutes or it was free. Uh, I think, unfortunately, someone uh, wrecked their car, maybe even died trying to 
get the time there, and so they ended up they not they don't do that anymore. Uh, but that that was the deal back then, so that was a take there. So what do they start to figure out? What's going on? They start to figure out that there are puppets in the town. The protection committee. Yes. Right. Ada can see that there are certain people that can see the puppeteers. The puppeteers. Everyone can see the puppets. Yes, but they don't realize they're puppets. They think they're real people. Oh. Well, that changes the way I picture them. I thought they all referred to them as puppets, but I could be wrong. No, I the way I p- thought of it is they were people acting like people, but they just had the puppeteers controlling them. Okay. And only certain people could see the fact that they were actually puppets. Okay. We'll have to ask. Okay, so that happens. <laughs> and then the sweepstakes are coming up again, and then Ada realizes that Pearl is probably in danger. So she goes off with... Caden and Raymond to go find Pearl to figure out what's really going on. Yeah, okay. So that, that I like how it, it opens to back up a little bit with the safety drill that they were doing, where we would have fire drills or tornado drills. Theirs was a cheetah invasion of yeah. some kind, where the kids are all taught to defend themselves. I thought that added a great air of adventure to the stories. To, mm-hmm. what, this isn't just your normal school where kids are going to go off and find some scooby-doo sort of adventure to get off on Uh, it's actually no no this is a real place where really crazy dangerous things happen and kids have to be prepared so fifth graders have to know how to defend themselves they have to know how to ditch their backpacks in case it's you know someone attempts to eat them (laughs) sort of stuff yeah it's all a good all a good adventure story that would be the greatest excuse for losing your homework you say a cheetah uh, Cheetah came after me. I had to throw my backpack. I lost my homework. How do teachers in auditing know if it's an excuse is legit or not? Like, you could never... Oh, my God. <laughs> do they even do homework? No, no, the blur monster got it. Sorry. I had, I had to run. Oops. Yeah. My ghost in my closet decided to turn it into her ghost gloop stuff. Right. Yeah. That'd be interesting. I'm sure the teachers don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a town that's kind of set off by itself, being run by the protection committee, the puppets... Yes. Um, which supposedly saved the town years ago from this creature called the Blur Monster, and now everyone gives their loyalty to them and allows them to do... Whatever they want. Weird stuff. So what was it that triggered Ada's thought that Pearl might be in trouble? Do you remember? No, I don't remember. It's been too long. I think it started... My my first trigger point was it started with them discovering the Blur Monster was being faked by uh, Greeley and some of his workers mm-hmm. was if those attacks aren't real what else isn't real what's going on that's what they broke into Greeley's to try to figure it out and started finding out various things where that weren't at, weren't as they seemed to be they followed her dad to the town hall meeting where they realized yeah. oh the parents know that there's something wrong here but they're not telling the kids telling the kids are doing the right yeah. thing that sort of stuff which I thought was interesting yes. usually usually the usually the parents are oblivious idiots in stories like this where the kids the kids are the only ones who can see what's going on. The parents don't believe them or something to that effect. Yeah. And they move on. In this case, the parents knew what was going on, but they didn't think the kids were capable of handling it. Kind of an interesting twist on the story. Who's, who was your favorite character? I don't know. There was so many people. There was. There was a lot. I think I liked Aunt Betts and Song. I thought Song was, was interesting, but could have been um, expanded on yeah. a bit more. Again, again, so many characters. It's a kid's story. You can't write for for eight hundred pages. I'd like to see more if she, if she rewrites another book, not rewrites. If she writes another book to see what happens, maybe a background on how Song came because we don't know how Song came to be an oddity. But still, we know she wasn't born there. Right. So it's still an open. It's like a mystery that you could go back and write about and find that part out. I really did like 
the uh, zombie rabbit alien conflict. <laughs> I thought it was a nice, it started as a nice side story that just lent itself to show the weirdness in Oddity, but then comes around to be a crucial part of the story. Yeah, because the zombie rabbits end up helping them yep. to burn down the mansion. Sugar and Snokes are, my, are <laughs> like the two help, hapless leaders. If I you like Zerpel. Zerpel's nice. Yeah, the alien. It was cool. And I, lo- I like that they actually had pictures on the front of the book mm-hmm. uh, to help you understand what she was, the picture she was trying to paint. So yeah. the zombie rabbits, I was like, what is that supposed to mean? And they flipped open, like, oh, that's why they call them. They actually look like rabbits with zombie faces, and they love marshmallows. That's kind of cool. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed Caden. I thought he was a good good logical side to look at from our perspective. Like, we don't understand how oddity works. Why is why are things happening this way? And he would ask yes. questions, or and Ada would just be like, he's an idiot. He doesn't understand. He's going to get himself killed. Yeah. Like, oh, well, that's how we'd be an oddity, too. We wouldn't know what was what quite was going on. Um, did, what did you think about Ada's locket and the ghost in her closet? Do you think that lent an important part to the story? Well, it did. It ends up saving, you know, saving her life in the end, but it felt, it felt a little thrown in towards the end, almost like, like it wasn't planned from the beginning, although the ghost was there in the beginning. We didn't see the connection to the locket early on, or if we did, I missed it. I did. You saw the connection? It meant, like, she opened her locket and the ghost came out of her closet. Huh. I must have missed a little bit more on this than I thought I did. I said I had some trouble reading it, so it's kind of like there's some places where I'd go back and read. So maybe I missed that part. Yeah. Well, the fact that they then the fact that she ties that in early on and writes through is a is a nice nice work by the author because I I don't like when things come in at the end that you didn't see coming. Just savior by machine or Deus ex machina is the Latin term for it. Mm. So there's our Latin word for the day. <laughs> there's a looking at a lot of these other cultural references. Um, I've jotted a few down, so I'd have we'd have them. For record, um, <laughs> like the first bully guffawed for the first time, and the guffaw broke into a thousand pieces, and they all started trying to swagger. Uh, that's obviously a takeoff from Peter Pan's Birth of the Fairies. When the first baby laughed for the first time, the laugh broke into a thousand pieces, and that was the beginning yeah. of the fairies. So I love that she would take these things from other places in literature and pull them out. Now, you and I have a disagreement on what One she might it. be referencing the other one again, we haven't interviewed her yet, but I will definitely ask her about it. You want, yes. to, you want to talk about what it is? I don't remember what the quote was, but you mentioned it, and I remember seeing it and thinking what it was. It was the tentacle-chinned alien in the suit. I think it's referencing the Ood from Doctor Who. So and I think it was either the Dal- Dalek-human hybrid, although when I went and looked at the picture, he doesn't have tentacle-chin, he has tentacle-head, <laughs> or it's a reference to Cthulhu, although Cthulhu's never shown in a suit, so I don't know... I think it's the We could both be wrong. It could be something we've never known, but we'll, have to, we'll find yeah. out. And we'll have, a, we'll have kind of a bet on the situation to see what happens. <clears throat> and then there was another one we had just found. C.S. Lewis. Oh, yes. She gives us our obligatory C.S. Lewis reference. When she talks, Ada read the Chronicles of Narnia. She didn't like use to scrub, and she read page, hundreds of pages waiting for him to be eaten, and it never happened. And way to miss a good opportunity there, Lewis. Yeah. <laughs> We're just kind of like, Eustace is one of my favorite characters in the Chronicles of Narnia. Oh. And I agree. Through Prince Caspian, he's an annoying... Not Caspian. Uh, the first part of Voyage of the Dawn Treader. He's an annoying twit. <laughs> <laughs> Should be... Like, I would have killed him myself. But ends up being uh, the center of my favorite scene in Voyage of the Dawn Treader, which is still probably my favorite chapter in all of literature. We'll have to discuss that if we ever review those books. Is that the one with the dragon? Yes, when he becomes a dragon. More particularly when Aslan or, uh, ch- changes him back from the dragon mm-hmm. to a human which is a picture of Christian sanctification. It's a great picture as far as I'm concerned. Okay. So she gives us another opportunity for a C.S. Lewis reference. High five. Yay! We won't clap because we don't want to hurt the microphone. But there was a lot of those. And I'm sure we've missed a lot. 
So if you saw one that you really liked, go ahead and post it on uh, the Reading Radio. Comments. Po- po- yeah, uh, Facebook group or in the comments on the website, reading-radio.com. We'd love to hear what other little nuances we missed because there's a lot of Easter eggs in there and I'm sure there's some that mm-hmm. we didn't get. All right, we've gotten through some of our favorite middle parts of the book. Let's wrap it up, get to the end. What do you want to discuss there? I want to talk about how they rescue Pearl and how their first attempt ends up failing. Oh, when they actually break into the house? Yeah. Sure, they break into the house. They find her. They know she's there and she's safe so far, but then they're forced to flee because the uh, puppets come after them. Mm-hmm. But they're... And then they realize what's actually happening. The humans are forced to control the puppets and their souls are going into the puppets. Right, and they're being consumed. So they end up having to go to Mr. Kambucha to find out uh, how everything works together. And she gets that information, she realizes she's almost like a horcrux. She has to release their souls from whatever container they are before she can kill the puppet. The puppets. And so then she sets up this massive plan on Sweepstakes Day to get it taken care of. Mm-hmm. They do end up going back to the house again, and they end up burning down the mansion. Right. That happens the night. No, it happens during the night before the sweepstakes, because Pearl's called, Ada is called for the sweepstakes. Well, right. She's called on sweepstakes day, yeah. though. So it's the day of sweepstakes. She sent, how does she, t- t- how does she make it work, though? Um. Regional punk ball championship? So Ada told the aliens and zombie rabbits that there was a regional punk ball championship and they needed to find all four trophies, which were the containers that the souls were be being stored in. So they ended up running into the mansion and they ended up destroying it while they were looking for that. Right. She convinced them to destroy it in yeah. the process so they could find the find the souls because she knew she had to destroy that to hopefully free her sister. Because by this time, Pearl had become the puppeteer for Winchlaw. For Winchlaw. And she knew that if she just cut the strings... Pearl would probably Pearl die. Would die. So they had to figure out a different way to, to try to free her in the process, mm-hmm. which she did, which they did. Yeah. So they ended up finding the, in the climactic battle, finding the phylacteries, which is the term in I know Dungeons and Dragons they use for that kind of soul holding yeah. apparatus, Horcrux in Harry Potter, destroys them, wins the battle, brings Pearl back to life, and they're all able to, scrabble and claw their way out. Um, I actually thought the, the way the author wrote the scene where they come over the hill with Pearl mm-hmm. and Aunt Bets almost faints because she's not the fainting type of woman. No. And then their mom, who had been you know, comatose, basically, or, uh, not comatose, but catatonic the entire time, sees her and, and asks her husband, is it real? Because she knows that she's not in a right mind. It mm-hmm. kind of brought back that reality of, Oh, this is this is as campy and as fun as and goofy as there there was some serious elements happening here and then he's I don't know, let's go find out. Like that yeah. moment that moment I was like, Oh man, how would I feel having lost one of my daughters for a year, knowing exactly what happened, but being helpless to do anything about it. I mean that goes back to kind of the uh the, the Jewish situation in World War Two where the Germans were able to just do whatever they wanted to them, and there was nothing they could really do to fight unless you're, you know, just willing to die and let your family die in the process. I mean, that as a parent coming through became this like stark reality for me, where that scene became powerful. It reminds me kind of of Hunger Games. We covered this. You're taken away forcefully, and there's nothing they can, like the parents, could do about it. They're stuck, and if they do anything, you're gonna assure your son or daughter's death, and probably your own. 
yeah, probably your own right there in the moment. Yeah. Or something very bad in the long run happening. So overall, did you enjoy the book? Yes, I did enjoy it. Good. So, except for content, we don't have an age rating. No. Um, but if you're going to read this on your own, oh man, I might have to say 12, almost because of some of the way it's written, where it felt like there's some non sequiturs, which means things that just come out of nowhere and don't necessarily follow. Uh, again, I was a little distracted when I was reading it because I'm so used to doing audiobooks. Um, mm-hmm. and I, I function better that way. But I would say I'm going to go three and a half stars on this one and probably age 12 just because of that. Cont- yeah. If you read it out loud, you could do it however, whatever age you want. It's a good, good, fun, goofy story. What about you? I'll do... I think it was a three and a half, too. Three and a half? Yeah. Um, there was this whole thing there with sunglasses because if they're the puppeteers wear sunglasses and so there there was this whole thing of people snapping sunglasses tying strings to them throwing them over wires yeah they're like it's to break the hold of the puppeteers yeah. do you think that was they're trying to symbolize i think so see i was wondering if that wasn't a reference there's this old really crappy b movie uh, but but it's a cult classic it's one of my favorites it's called they live it takes place in our modern era but if you put on these special sunglasses, what well, you, you would see the aliens for who they were. Like, the people yeah. could be aliens, but you can't see that with your normal eyes. They looked normal. And then you'd see the billboards were just subliminal messages about serving money and consume more, buy more stuff. Like, all these kind of bad messages that people were just getting without knowing about it unless you put on these glasses. And I, I was thinking that might be a reference to those glasses, being able to see what's really going on. But... Again, that might be an Easter egg I'm looking too into. Cause it by, could be. You should write that down and ask her. Towards the end of the book, I was looking for Easter eggs. Because once I started noticing mm-hmm. a few, I'm like, they're everywhere. I've got to go yeah. back and read it again and find it. Um, but that was a good point. It kind of reminded me of how people throw tennis shoes over lines all the way all around here. <laughs> well, that's a whole different reason for that. Yeah. So, All right. Well, do we have a 3.5 from each of us? And you said you said about age 12 as well? Or did you not say? I didn't really say, but I'd agree with that, unless you're reading out loud. Like, if you're reading out loud, it's a lot easier to understand. Perfect. All right, well, our next book, you want to talk about that? Our next book is Mary Poppins by P.L. Travers. Travers, yes. Travers. Which we've already started, so yes. hopefully by the time it comes around, we'll, be a, we'll get a book or two ahead. And we have a whole list of books that we're, we're looking to do. We'll get that list out and in order as soon as we decide then we have to have a draft where you pick one i pick one and then yeah. we'll, we'll get our books ready through the rest of the year and then hopefully start off the new year with a whole new list of books ready to go yep all right again thank you for joining us we appreciate it uh, last month was our biggest month of downloads ever uh, which makes us very happy and we'd like to say thank you to everybody who listens and if you were invited by somebody thank them for us because it we only grow by you folks telling other people about it, bringing families together through the love of, of literature. That's kind of our goal, building these conversations we're able to have about the books that we read and having a great time. So please go check us out at reading-radio.com. Leave us a note, tell us how we did, and tell your friends about it as well. Thank you once again for listening, and goodbye. Bye now. <laughs>